0: Final Last Dance recap on the This Is Believe podcast. And Elaine Shercliffe is back to wrap up episodes 9 and 10.
1: Hey there.
0: Hey, and like I tweeted last night before The Last Dance aired, every good thing must come to an end. And that's where we're at.
1: But does it have to?
0: <laughs> I, I prefer just to see more... Footage or the stuff that was left on the cutting room floor because there's probably a ton. But I'm not going to complain with the 10 episodes of what we saw because pretty solid start to start to finish.
1: It's true. I do really want um, just a whole episode of Dolores Jordan telling her son what to do and us all realizing that that's why everything worked out was because he listened to his mom. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That would be pretty interesting. I mean, we kind of got a good, a a little glimpse or a little, you know, just a little bit, but a a longer, elongated, uh, long-form version of that would probably be fairly interesting because she probably talked a lot more about that specific subject than what we actually saw.
1: Right. And same thing with the security guards. It seemed like, I I knew about Gus, but not as in-depth as they kind of went in uh, last night, but... I kind of would like to learn more about all the security guards that he considered family because there's apparently like a few more of them.
0: Yeah, I just, like how he just kind of kept incorporating and having relationships with these people. And, you know, it, it wasn't just uh, Mike Wozniak. It was now this uh, person I was not familiar with, familiar with Gus. And, and Gus seemed like someone that Michael was really close to.
1: Yeah, like... Super close, apparently. I mean, I knew they were close, but I didn't realize the level um, until until that episode. So
0: we start with episode nine, Mm -hmm. and episode nine started off in the most epic fashion. It was bulls. It was pacers. Then there was the little story Reggie Miller was talking about (laughs) where he started off good and, you know, MJ was a little bit, you know, rusty Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? And so Reggie Miller decides to talk trash to Michael Jordan. And apparently Reggie only scores two points the rest of the game, and Michael goes on fire. And later he responds with, as I quote, Don't ever talk trash to Black Jesus. What an epic line, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's great about that is how... He just went with it. He's like, fine. I'm never calling you Michael Jordan ever again. I just, he just owned it. He's like, okay, fine. I guess you are black Jesus or the black cat. (laughs) (laughs) I just, when he said, when they were um, right before that one game or right after the game, when they won it, and Reggie says, as long as the black cat is out there, anything is possible. Like. Mm -hmm. He was one of those players, just like Larry Bird, who knew that this guy could make anything happen (laughs) and and they owned it. But I just love how he owned it so much. He turned it into like his own little giggle fest.
0: Yeah. And and I just I think the that specific line of trash talk that MJ had was just next level. Because who's going to question it? No one's going to question that if he says that. You know what I
1: mean? No no one's shocked. Everyone's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sounds about right. I kind of, you know, you're right. His level of trash talk is really good. Um, I wish they could just put out just quotes of all of his trash talk. And I would, I don't have any tattoos, but I would totally get a sleeve of just like all of Jordan's trash talk.
0: I think a, a bonus episode of stories of Jordan talking trash to people would be so perfect. Just trash okay. talk, the background behind it, why it happened, and what he said. That would be so good. Because there's that, there's the uh, the Muggsy Bogue story, you know, stuff like that. Just so good. I think that would be so interesting to, to you know, watch them talk about what happened. Um yeah. But the... Story from Reggie there led into the Pacers playing the uh, the Bulls in the 98 Eastern Conference Finals. And in an absolutely wild move, they had a parade before they even played a game in <laughs> Indianapolis.
1: Like, even Cleveland people don't do that.
0: <laughs> we have parades when the team goes winless, but not before they play the Eastern Conference Finals, okay? That's the Cleveland way.
1: We do something that matters. We finish the season before we have a parade. Okay.
0: (laughs) So I saw this parade. And then, you know, there's all, you know, everyone's all excited. You know, the mascot's there. People are dressed up in their Pacers gear. And all of a sudden, for just a split second, you see Purdue with the world's largest drum. Okay. Now, I have a little bit of a side story about purdue and the world's largest drum when i was in high school back in michigan i was in marching band and for one particular game the purdue marching band came up because they were playing michigan that weekend but on friday at our high school they brought along all their marching stuff including the world's mar- largest drum and they did a little halftime show on the on the field you know they're going around with the giant drum and and shit you know First of all, the the name world's largest drum sounds more impressive than the actual drum. It's big, but it's just like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, funny thing, at my high school, the colors of my school were blue and yellow, or in Michigan people would refer to them as Mason blue. Ugh,
1: the style get of out the here. uniform.
0: <laughs> the style of the helmet was the Michigan helmet, wearing blue and yellow uniforms, and the fight song the Victors. Okay?
1: So, awful. for some I feel reason... So bad for you.
0: For some reason... <laughs> for somehow, the, our football team scored a touchdown because they were god-awful. And Purdue joined in playing the Victors. At Heartland High School in Heartland, Michigan. The day before they played University of Michigan. Whose, theme, whose fight song is also the Victors. And Michigan demolished Purdue the next day. I just thought it was funny that the Purdue was playing the fight song of the team that their school was actually playing the next day. <laughs>
1: like, I just... Why were they there? Wait, why were they there? Did I miss that part? I,
0: I don't have that answer. They were just, they were invited and they came, I guess. I don't know.
1: <laughs> that is such... I, I'm like not even shocked. I feel like there's a few schools... Who would just randomly show up. And I feel like Iowa and Purdue are those two
0: schools. (laughs) But they were there. uh, They brought the world's largest drum. They played the victors. Then their actual football team lost to Michigan the next day. While the victors got played like a (laughs) hundred (laughs) times.
1: I will say that's a really catchy. Sometimes I catch myself singing it and I get really upset.
0: You know, I just die a little inside every time I think about that song. Um, So I'm doing well right now. But. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought that was funny that the I saw that the Purdue drum was at this parade, because apparently it's not just being loaned out to go visit high schools. It's being brought for parades before the Pacers uh, have to play the juggernaut. That is the Chicago Bulls.
1: Like, did they not once in their mind think that the Bulls and Jordan and Phil Jackson would see that parade and be like, <laughs> and and just use that to, to help pump them up? I mean... Uh...
0: For all we know, there, you know, what may have happened if they didn't have a parade, Michael might have, might have imagined a parade happened, okay? And used that as motivation, <laughs> okay? He could have made up a parade just to motivate himself.
1: I, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so,
0: and so that, that battle between the, the Pacers and the Bulls was, that was a, a hard-fought one. Uh, it, it really seemed like it could have gone either way. Yeah. It it really seemed like the Pacers actually had a shot at at defeating the the Bulls in '98.
1: It it did, and like, I I think it was hard for some people too because you had all these new Bulls fans, but the Pacers were semi-lovable, <laughs> um, and so when you see those two, you're like, oh, history or history like there was two forms of history that would happen Mm -hmm. and i feel like it was a win for sports fans no like no matter how that ended up but it was like for me it was a really big win that they the bulls pulled it out
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because uh they dropped two straight after taking the first two in that series then they split games five and game six then they were down in game 7 weren't they they were down early yeah
1: they, yeah, they were they down were, early they,
0: they were down early and they they fought their way back and and managed to to come back and you know knock the pacers off just one more time and it 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 really seemed like the opportunity for the pacers to actually advance to the NBA finals right right there was possible but as per usual, Michael Jordan does Michael Jordan things, and uh, he, he manages to pull out Game 7. He, that was the year he guaranteed that they'd win Game 7, right?
1: Right. I, I think so.
0: Yeah, he guaranteed Game 7 that, that year.
1: If he guarantees anything, we should all just— Maybe we should get him to, like, guarantee that this coronavirus shenanigans just goes away.
0: I, I I I want to believe uh, Michael Jordan's a, a little bit uh, smarter than to guarantee something that he won't be on the right side of.
1: <laughs> well, okay, okay, I. You know what I mean?
0: Like he's not going to go out and say, "I guarantee this will happen," with the chance that it might not.
1: But he's black Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there was a. There was. I'm an, sorry. That's that's fine. So there was an interesting parallel made um, Made between uh, Steve Kerr and and John Paxson And it, it was between the fact that Jordan knew at a certain time When to defer to John Paxson For a three point shot or you're just shooting in general, but there was a, a three pointer late in game seven. They go into the detail. There was the it was the jump ball and Scottie Pippen somehow gets it, and Indiana could have gone up by fives, but Chicago gets it and ties the game. And they made the parallel between Kerr and Paxson when he knew that they were gonna collapse on Jordan and to to give it to Kerr.
1: Yeah. I well first of all, I just have to say that <laughs> I love the fact that Steve Kerr would have run through a wall for this team and him being like, I'm going to do this. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. I'm going to uh, take the ball. I'm going to do this. I'll be
0: ready. Like, I'll be ready.
1: Right. Like, I just love that because how many times are people just like, yeah, cool. I'll do that. Like, let's just get it done. And he's like, I'm going to do it. We're going to do this. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I, um, I liked both players too. So it was kind of cool to see that, um, that correlation, you know?
0: And that, um, you know, when Kerr kind of listened to John Paxson, you know, and how to, how to, I guess, build a bond with Michael Jordan, because it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do that they he kind of listened to Pax and figured out what to do and was able to get on his good side. So when he's open, Jordan actually gives him the ball. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's just kind of cool to see, like, um, Jordan always knew who he could trust in that moment. In that moment. I just, I don't know. I really like that about him where he easily could have been like, I'm going to do it even though these guys are going to double team me and I'm going to go down. We can do it that way. It won't matter. It's all me. But instead he chooses to be like, I'm going to pass the ball off to you and you're going to do it. He like empowers his teammates
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be who they are in the moment that they need to be that person. Did that make
0: yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, My bad. I confused the Steve Kerr collapsing on Jordan shot with 1997, not 1998. My bad. Let me correct it right now. 97 was the collapse on Jordan, Steve Kerr, two pointer. He did make the three pointer in game seven against uh, the Pacers, but the collapsing on Jordan giving it to Kerr, 97. But speaking.
1: But speaking. It was still great.
0: Still a great moment. But speaking of 1997 NBA Finals, we finally got confirmation on what was been rumored to be the truth for over 20 years. Do you, know, do you know how many years it was? It was 23 years. <laughs> 23.
1: Is that, is that why they put this out this year? Not because they wanted to talk about the last dance, but they really wanted.
0: Would you put it past, would it put it past Michael Jordan to reveal the truth about one of his most legendary performances in the same amount of years that would also be his jersey number?
1: Oh, he's smart. His mom probably came up with the idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the legendary (laughs) flu game, which turns out was not the flu. It was food poisoning. Okay. Yeah. So, first of all, a lot of people already were suspicious of it actually being food poisoning. Because, you know, there's been variations of the story told, you know, where he got pizza the night before. And, you know, there were like four or five people that delivered one pizza and that Jordan was the only person that ate it. And he was the only person that looked like hell the next day. You know, so people were already suspicious of it being food poisoning. It wasn't until now that there was confirmation that it was food poisoning.
1: Yeah, I was totally shocked because I didn't, I had never heard that rumor. Um, And my parents were looking at me like, how did you not know this? (laughs) They they were like so visibly disappointed that I did not know this. Um apparently it was just something that people talked about and um especially in Chicago and my dad was explaining and so was my mom too later that they couldn't just come out and say something back then because that's a whole whirlwind of like lawsuits and money and stuff that he didn't want to to deal with you know like going through that um Because they easily could have then, like, sued him for, um, was it defamation, right? Or libel, one of those two. Could have easily said, like, Mm -hmm. no, he's just saying that because he had a bad game or because he played off or anything like that, just trying to make Utah look bad. Um, So they think that's why that never came out publicly until now because it's so much time in between when it happened um but that's just like insane and the fact is like i'm not even shocked though because you hear about this stuff all the time and and <laughs> they'll tell players from from teams <clears throat> not to you know to be careful when you order your food or you pick up your food you know if it seems off don't eat it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and five guys delivering one pizza is definitely off by the way <laughs> As, right. as a former pizza delivery person, let me tell you, I was never joined by another person on any pizza delivery.
1: Unless it is four turtles and a rat, you do not eat that pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the, I guess the, um, the argument for why it's been, or you know, a theory that's been floated out there for so long is that people knew it was food poisoning for a long time and that calling it the flu game, has this kind of legendary mythic status to it. You know, he got the flu, he still performed, he still won the game. If it's the food poisoning game, it doesn't have the same type of ring to it.
1: But food poisoning is so awful. Anyone that has had food poisoning can tell you it's the equivalent to sometimes worse than the flu. (laughs) It's bad. I don't know. I'm actually more... Like I have played games or, you know, gone to work, lots of things. I've when I was sick, like there's that level of powering through. Mm -hmm. But when you have food poisoning, like I've had food poisoning and I, I definitely thought I was just straight up dying. Like there was no way I was muscling through it because it affects your like your intestines so bad, I just don't, I, I am so amazed that he made it through that game.
0: Yeah. It's, even it's, more
1: so than before.
0: It, it's fairly incredible, even though that people are trying to be truthers of the truth and say, how do we know it wasn't the flu? I'm like, are you kidding? He literally just told you it was food poisoning. Those people are out there right now. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I've, <laughs> I have definitely seen that. Well, you know what? I want, I want that pizza place to step up. Okay, 23 years later, I think we're outside of the statute of limitations. (laughs) Step up. Say it was you.
0: That's even if they're in business anymore. It could have been like some local place (laughs) that's closed.
1: Right. If they were still in business, I think they would actually end up making more money. I know that sounds bad, but I think there's enough people who would be like, I'm going to go eat at the place that poisoned Jordan. All aboard the Jordan stop.
0: They could they could run the world's worst pizza sc- uh, special. One in 100 pizzas is tainted. Are you going to be the are you going to get the tainted pizza? <laughs> Experience the Jordan flu game in real life.
1: <laughs> the flu game pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that he was like I ate the whole pizza myself. The whole thing. That is the most relatable thing I think anybody said during that whole entire documentary that they ate a whole pizza by themselves at night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was just such a good, (laughs) such a good, uh, you know, just story there. Um, Even though people are trying to say it's, uh, you know, are trying to. Say it's not real now, which is absolutely insane. Um, when the the question was, it, was it actually the flu? Now people are questioning, was it actually food poisoning? Uh, I saw something going around. Um, people saying, have you had your flu game moment? Have you ever had a flu game moment? No. No?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> not to the point that like other people, I wasn't that in point, important important although wait hold on this year I had influenza B okay I, you do you remember this yeah I was really sick mm-hmm. um and I call I like went home early the next like the day before and then I was like I'm only gonna come in for like an hour <laughs> and I apparently went into work Got a whole bunch of work done and then Ubered home. I, I like had the sound mind to not drive to work. So I probably made this poor Uber driver sick. So I apologize to any Uber driver in November that got influenza B who drove from Stowe to Akron and Akron to Stowe. (laughs) I feel so bad. Um, I guess you could consider that my flu, <laughs> flu game moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried to cover... And then that weekend, I tried to cover... Um, I was supposed to go to Belleville for the Monsters game. Mm-hmm. And I just I couldn't do it. I was too sick. And the doctor literally told me not to go across the border when you have the flu. <laughs> 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 but I tried to cover it from like my... My computer and I like passed out halfway through the game. <laughs> I couldn't do it, <laughs> like mid tweet, <laughs> and I yeah.
0: So I, I didn't have a, a legendary uh, flu game moment. Uh, I was I was sick with the flu one time playing a game. I played like garbage, but I did get a technical. So yeah, I managed to get a technical. Yeah,
1: you gave that person the flu. <laughs>
0: No, like, I missed the pass, and I was sick. I felt like garbage. I probably shouldn't have even been playing. And the pass went over my head. I didn't even reach for it. And He said something to me. I didn't like it, so I just shoved him over on his ass, and I got a technical.
1: Listen, what's so funny, though, is people are shocked by basketball players being like, I played with the flu. And in hockey, like, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten sick during the season because someone – Played sick and then came to post game or like walked past post game and I inevitably got sick. <laughs> like, so, I don't understand why hockey players feel the need to like play when they're broken and when they're sick.
0: <laughs> well, that's what the, uh, that entire sport takes place during the flu season. So there, someone's <laughs> going to get the flu at some point. You know, it's just it, it's it, it's equal as it is to to train. In order to play hockey, you know, physicality wise and athleticism wise, it's just important to be able to train and play while you feel like death. Because you're going to at one point and you're going to have to.
1: It's so true. It's true. But they could give me a heads up and I could not ask to speak to that person. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I got sick the first season I covered the team. (laughs) Someone had this really bad, like, it wasn't the flu but it was this really bad like like stomach thing and i missed like a whole week and a half of games and the guy comes up to me later and is like i'm so sorry i found out later i was sick and i was like later when he's like well after the game but before i came to talk to you (laughs) i was like what
0: (laughs) <laughs> now, I, I will say, it, it's not, it wasn't like necessarily an organized game that I had. It was like a pickup game of soccer. And it wasn't being sick. It was an injury I suffered in the middle of the game. So, what happened was, I was playing. I went to go plant my foot on this shitty field. My foot kept going. Or my foot stopped, my body kept going. So I heard this loud popping sound that could be heard as far as like 30, 40 feet away. Right? Ugh. And I got up. I, str- you know, kind of moved my foot around. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm still good. And, you know, I'm still running, and you know, I ended up scoring, you know, ten goals in a pickup game of soccer. Right? Turns out, uh, as soon as we stopped playing, I couldn't move my foot anymore. Oh no! I couldn't even put weight on it. I couldn't stand. Grade three ankle sprain. That is Start. the worst ankle sprain you can get as a grade three.
1: You're starting to sound like Seth Jones here, except he was broken. But
0: <laughs> Grade three ankle sprain. I had to be in a boot for like two months. I had to go to physical therapy multiple times a week. I couldn't do anything. Uh, this was back in 2014 because this was the same summer LeBron came back because... I was living in Michigan at the time, I came down to Cleveland to celebrate LeBron coming back to the Cavs, and I had a boot on my foot.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) So, this entire experience, not necessarily the flu, just the, I I battled through having a bum ankle.
1: (laughs) I mean, I once thought that going to softball conditioning was smart after I had two concussions that week. And so then I got a third concussion. That was a really bad week in high school. (laughs) I think what we're learning is that nobody is smart and that everyone is like, I can just play through it.
0: (laughs) That's that's pretty much what we've learned. And we'll we'll touch about that play through it thing uh, a little bit later. But just something real quick I wanted to touch on was the... The interviews Michael Jordan was essentially just not giving while walking to the arena while he had headphones on, where they were talking to him, he was just going, yes, no, maybe, I don't know, I can't hear you. (laughs) Yes, no, maybe, I'm I'm not listening to you. What are you saying? He just kept walking. I thought that was hilarious. I was just like not even entertaining them.
1: Oh, you got to do that sometimes, though. I guess, I guess if, well, I shouldn't say that. Just, you just gotta give people their space sometimes. That's all.
0: And for someone like Jordan, who very rarely had space, I guess that was his way to create some—is by just having headphones on and giving answers of yes, no, maybe, right. But I, I found that to be an interesting uh, little <laughs> little clip that they showed. Um, and
1: he didn't do that often, though. And whenever he did give like a yes or no they touched on it two weeks ago, I think, where he I said, because um, he was just trying to get out of there, mm-hmm. and and he was like, you know, did you like that? I use yes or no question keys like, because I knew you had a follow up, and I didn't want to answer your follow up. <laughs> <laughs> so like he he got to know the media well enough to know probably what they were going to ask, and I think he knew himself well enough to know that he might not be in the mood to answer that specific question.
0: (laughs) Now, in the 98 finals, game three, absolutely ridiculous, okay? 96 to 54 final score, that's video game numbers.
1: It's beautiful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's just ridiculous. That's just an absolute blowout. That's like playing NBA 2K on Rookie and just... And just on like five minute quarters.
1: Isn't that what some of the Cavs games look like this season, though?
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> um,
1: I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean. I just was literally just asking a question. Please, Cavs fans, don't come for me.
0: I mean, everybody knows that the Cavs stink this year. It's not a. It's not a secret. It's not a surprise.
1: I know, but even if it's not a surprise, they'll still come for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so that ninety six fifty four score was just absolutely just i, I saw it and like, oh my God, I forgot game three was just they almost doubled up the jazz in chicago I and just... they were
1: a good team like it wasn't like the jazz was a bad team either like they were a good team mm-hmm. like that's what makes it so. Shocking because sometimes people play in the finals and you're like, okay, this team is totally going to dominate whatever. Um, <clears throat> but this team was good. Like this Utah Jazz team was good. Like I, <laughs> there's no way they should have been held to 54 points. is basically what I'm saying. Like,
0: I mean, that's just that's just an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, uh, just score a a little little side note Um, Dennis Rodman doing Dennis Rodman things
1: doing lovely Dennis Rodman things, I love him
0: (laughs) decided to go to Detroit go to Auburn Hills, Michigan his former arena that he used to play in as a member of the Pistons to appear on Monday Nitro with Hulk Hogan.
1: I don't, I don't really know what to say about it. Other Because, first of all, if anyone was shocked, um, they clearly didn't know who Dennis Rodman was. Um I mean, this is the guy that went missing in the MIA in Vegas. <laughs> like, uh, but I do like. I think. it Okay, I saw this tweet from a writer, and now I can't. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, and he was saying that Ron Harper said that it was a good. Um, I think it was a good business. That it was a good business decision, <laughs> because. <clears throat> He skipped a media session the day before Game Four, and was fined 20k, um, and instead was paid 250k plus the use of a private jet to appear at the WCW show.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's not like he had to go super far away. He was, it was you know Chicago to Detroit, not necessarily that that far, but you know Dennis Rodman needed to do some just Dennis Rodman things. That's what he did. He hung out with Hulk Hogan. Did some did some professional wrestling. You know, the next game just casually grabs fourteen rebounds and a you know a four point win to put the Bulls up three to one.
1: Right. I think though, like as a, I don't know how I would have reacted if I was his teammate. Like, I hope that I would react like, well, that's Rodman doing Rodman things. But I think a part of me would have been like, I swear to God, when he gets back here, I'm just going to punch him in the stomach. (laughs) Like like I'm really unsure of how I as a teammate would have reacted because, yes, he needed to put himself in that mindset. And I think sometimes once he blows off all of that steam and just gets to be creative and go wild, he plays better. But at the same time, it was such an important series that if my teammate had left like that and not been been around I don't know if I um, I don't know if I would have been 100% happy I guess is what I'm saying yeah. because like he someone noted that he probably didn't get in trouble because he could back it up and that's where that like double standard of like um, when it comes to doing things Like, you could do something that's totally against the rules, but you're the best on the team in that area, so they're not going to, like, slap your hand too much. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that they ended up winning the series um, helps them in this fact, because they ended up losing this series. It would completely change the way that this particular uh, action is viewed.
1: This, if they had lost the series, there wouldn't be this documentary I mean there would be, but it would be like it would have taken a really sad turn.
0: <laughs> it would be it would be a much different tone, I guess. Yes. But the the Bulls go up three one, they lose game five, so they have to go to game six. And leading up to game six, as I mentioned before, with injuries and playing through injuries, Scottie Pippen has a back injury. And dunks early in the game and completely just messes up his back. And he just has to basically just go in and shifts, you know, play a few minutes, go back to the locker room, get stretch out, ice, all that other crap, then play another five minutes and do the cycle over and over again. And they had to win game six because game seven, I don't know if they win game seven. Yeah,
1: I don't know that. Yeah. That. I don't either. That would be... Sorry, I'm still thinking about it. I'm trying to... <laughs> like, it's not computing well. Like, I feel like... If they...
0: If they had to go to a Game 7, Scotty's not playing.
1: Right. So that's the thing. Like, they Scotty's not playing. Jordan would be worried about Scotty. Because as we've seen... Jordan actually cares about his teammates, whether people want to say that that's not true or that he was an a-hole, but when it came right down to it, you know, you saw when his teammates got injured, he was one of the first ones around, he would be looking at them, like, on the bench, you know, like, he cared about them, Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that might have, like, chipped away at him just a little bit, um, especially it being Scotty.
0: Yeah, but you know, Scotty Pippen had to he played uh admirably in that game, uh considering um his his issues he had to had to play through in that game. I, he played 25 minutes, which incredible, almost played 26 minutes. He only scored yeah. 8 points. Uh only had three rebounds, four assists, two steals and a block, but it, he wasn't their winning or losing that game was not dependent on his presence. It was it was Michael Jordan, and his forty five points that he scored. But just Mike, just Scottie's presence right there was enough of a, a decoy for the Jazz to have to account for him because they're playing the they're playing the Bulls differently with Scottie Pippen in the lineup compared to if let's say they had to put anybody else in that role. You know, if Scott is right. playing that role or you know, Dennis Rodman is in the starting lineup which he came off the bench that game. Or if it's Steve right. Kersey in a ton of minutes. It's it's different.
1: Yeah. No, it it changed. so this is where I love to show people how a team works. <laughs> <laughs> um because it does, it changes the whole dynamic. Okay, yeah, so he there are times when people get mad because say in hockey, a player who um, is either like just having an off time or they are injured and we know it, they've come back and people are like, he shouldn't be playing there, he shouldn't be playing there. But they they forget that sometimes, like you said, the mere presence of that person changes the team dynamic. Sometimes you have to take those things into account when you put someone in the lineup. Um and put them out on the playing field
0: mm-hmm.
1: because sometimes just like their energy is enough to power a team through. Sometimes they're good at really distracting from another person. You know, mm-hmm. it it's something that people need to think more about when they're watching games. Um, and it's something that you don't realize either until later on, just the impact that a player who people considered quote-unquote not good is actually had on, on the playing field. I'm not saying Pippen's not good. I'm saying that like, people if someone have looked come at with that, with and that said take. that he had eight points, they people, would be like, he is not good. <laughs>
0: people have come in with that hot take more than once, and I'm sure it's, it's not going to stop anytime soon. But I mean... I,
1: I mean, I, I do it too. too. <laughs> I don't understand
0: why they didn't adjust their strategy. Make Pippin beat you. You know what I mean? Leave, yeah. leave Pippin open. You know, n- not that to the extreme, but play off of him enough where it's a guy that has a back issue trying to have to to shoot. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Put him
0: in that situation. Make it so anyone but Jordan's the guy that beats you. And...
1: Right, and it's like that's bad coaching. <laughs> not bad coaching, but like... It's not the best coaching. I mean, you could have forced Scotty to do the bulk of the work, but you still forced Michael to do the bulk of the work. Like, how did you think that was going to end up?
0: Yeah, and watching Scotty run in that game, just it looked so painful because his his back was tight, and I could tell because I've had that I've had that before because I've had my fair share of back issues in the past, and I know when when the back is tight when it's not feeling too good when you got that straight up and down very slow jog stiff run stiff run going on and that's what he had just he just was stiff there was very little um in terms of like agility that you could really do at that moment in time because the amount of impact the amount of uh, force that is your back goes through while playing basketball it, a lot of people don't uh, consider that i mean guys with back injuries you know something like that if they have a back injury, they're fucked
1: <laughs> right especially the low especially like the lower back because it's such a huge part of your core and you can't you can't move other parts of your body or breathe without feeling pain. I mean, I mean we see it in hockey though all the time how many guys retire early because of back issues? Yeah, or t- they get like yeah or they get like a brand new back <laughs> and then retire a few years later because it's still not good enough.
0: I mean, there, there's a, a player currently who plays, um, who's he played for? He plays for the Denver Nuggets. His name's Michael Porter Jr. He had back surgery in college. He missed his entire rookie year and only played 48 games this year. So one back injury in college sidelined him for a long time. And as soon as I saw he had a, a that back injury, I'm like, he, he's out for at least a year. And I was right. Right. Kudos to me. I was right. Um... And it's just – it's something that it takes a long time to work back from. And you might not ever be right when you're coming back from a back injury.
1: Right, because with any injury, too, you have to have the right person working with you on coming back, the right physical therapist. And then when you start going with a team in professional sports or in college, you get, like, a new physical therapist while you have your your own physical therapist. And things are kind of, like – contradictory sometimes and it can mess things up. And I I don't think people realize injuries in professional sports, like how complicated it can get Mm -hmm. um, in the, in the recovery process.
0: I think, I think a lot of people underestimate the the time it takes them to get back because the, the biggest confusion i S I've heard, I've seen from the average fan is I had that injury and I was back to work in a month. Well, You're you're back to work. You're not a professional athlete. You know, your leg might be fine or your back might be fine or your arm. Or they're, you know, after that length of time, but they're not back to playing shape. They're not conditioned. They're not all... There's so many other things on top of just having the health of that specific injury be back to normal.
1: Right. Like, if you were a firefighter or an EMT saying that, maybe I'll give it some credence, but... If you're like me sitting at a desk and I'm like, yeah, totally ready to be back at work. like That's great. But are you getting like your body slammed up against the boards? Is someone trying to box you out? Like, are you getting whacked out of the air when you go for a layup? <laughs> no. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can just stop talking now at that point. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> right.
0: So there's a, a legendary moment at the end of this game that... For uh, for some people, has been a, a controversial moment because of three little words. Jordan pushed off.
1: Oh my gosh! But I always we. He I never
0: pushed know, like, off. I don't know. Do
1: people not know about science? Okay, the dude was running on his toes. Like
0: he he didn't do anything. If anything, you know, he was just. It wasn't a push. It may have not even been a guide. It was just a. I'm. I'm keeping my army with this with this direction. So if you come back, there's some resistance. But there was there wasn't anything to it. It was I think that there's less to it than what the video shows because you watch him as they mentioned on the last dance. He was already stumbling before Jordan crossed him over.
1: Yeah,
0: before he did that little because he was running on
1: his toes. He was running on his toes. Like, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) keep going. It's something. I know this because, okay, I when I played softball, my dad would get mad. He was my coach, and he mm-hmm. would call me Twinkle Toes because <laughs> I would um, run on my toes to get to, like, second – from second to third. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, like, I'd be trying to round third, and then I'd realize, oh, crap, I need to get back and not go home. But then I would fall. And <laughs> half the time I would get, you know, like – I would get tagged out because I was running on my toes because I didn't have the, the, like the core and the center of gravity and all, uh, what's the word? I can't remember my, but I didn't have the ability and control to stop and change directions or even stop and run backward because my, my force was going forward way too much. My, like I was going, there was just no way. That's what happens when you run on your toes.
0: And that's exactly what Brian Russell did.
1: Yeah. It's like the only thing I can offer sports-wise, other than talking about the triangle offense, and then also (sighs) (laughs) talking about like this is really the only thing I can offer (laughs) sports-wise.
0: So Jordan hits the shot, which everybody knew that Jordan was going to take that shot. You know, Robin was saying, I'm not taking this shot. I'm just going to stand here. Right. You know, Pippin's like, they shot his back's all messed up. I, I don't remember who else was on the floor at the time, but it's just, the ball sure as hell wasn't going to Luke Longley. Okay?
1: It should have. Just for kicks. <laughs> Let Australia have their moment.
0: uh What do you think Delhi's for? Okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love Delhi so much. <laughs>
0: So, anyways, the Bulls win that game. They win the series. They complete the repeat three-peat, a shirt which I owned as a child. I Same. had. I had the repeat three-peat shirt.
1: I had the hat, too.
0: I did, too. I, I had multiple Bulls hats, multiple Bulls shirts, posters. But I think the, the oddest twist at the end of this entire thing, is after spending, I don't know, 99% of the time just shitting on Jerry Krause, they give him praise at the end.
1: Yep. Here's the thing. My parents told me when we sat down to watch this, my parents were like, okay, Elaine, I need you to remember two things. Yes, Krause is bad. (laughs) But also, look at what Reisdorf did to the White Sox and how cheap he was. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then when they got to the final episode, I was like, oh man, I just want to place all the blame on Krause. And I can't now because my parents put this doubt in my head at episode one.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I found that kind of, that twist fairly entertaining because it's just like, Jerry Krause stinks, he's a stooge, he's an idiot, all this other stuff for nine episodes, nine and a half episodes, then at the end it's like Here you go, Jerry Krause. Here here's some praise. Some of it what they said about him giving him praise was it was correct. Right. But he also had his fair share of fuck ups along the way.
1: He did. And I think that's why my parents said, he is still bad.
0: <laughs> but. <laughs>
1: but, there is someone far worse.
0: <laughs> so, they put out uh, an interesting scenario at the end, uh, you know, about them possibly coming back for, a, you know, a seventh ring and how it just didn't happen. I want your opinion. If they If they get the band back together for one more time, one more go around. Do they win in 99?
1: No, because Pippin wouldn't have come back.
0: I said to get the band back together, so that includes Pippen I know. being well, back.
1: But could they have gotten Pippin to come back? Okay, fine. If they got Pippen to come back, then I think the possibility is very high. But you would be playing against... Well, yeah, because then all these other teams wouldn't have gotten players to help make them so much better. And a coach that made them so much better. So really, we could have been looking at the whole the whole change of the NBA landscape with dynasties and how they were able to um, to run from there. So I guess my answer is yes. And also, the NBA would look significantly different today.
0: The the way I see it is they
1: would uh, definitely I, get to the finals.
0: I, I know I saw some people questioning whether they get back and the one thing a lot of people said was they've already been to three straight finals they'd be tired they'd be out of gas but something that i don't think many people remember or people trying to make that argument forget that was the lockout year they only played 50 games
1: oh my gosh i forgot
0: so 50 games so they get a little break and they play 50 games 50 games in playoff run they could have done that they could have won number seven
1: yeah yeah they could have and then the whole nba landscape would have completely changed (laughs)
0: And, and something we talked about on twitter earlier the spurs the nba champion of that year they would have a little bit of a different uh different look to them because number one they wouldn't have steve kerr on their team um yep number two they wouldn't have won that title and their first title wouldn't have came till a couple years later
1: Just imagine though, like if Steve—I mean, sorry—if Phil Jackson didn't go to LA after that, and he stayed with the Bulls, and they went for a seventh, and then would they still just wanted to keep playing until all their bodies just gave up? Like,
0: I think if they would have gone for seven, seven would have been it, just because of of the circumstances with the the previous year, and. Um, that being the, the best way essentially to, to cap it out with the shortened season being able to I guess build up some of that, that rest that they've been missing out on for the previous few seasons
1: yeah that's true and Dennis Rodman could have gone buck wild before the season started and we would have had like a crazy good Dennis Rodman <laughs> Um, the but, the end like, of
0: Dennis Rodman was not all that great
1: no, it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to think of how different everything would have been if, um, if they played a seventh for the seventh championship, like that. Just the whole landscape would have completely changed.
0: Absolutely. Um I know I just said Dennis Rodman final year wasn't great. However, I, I think that's more of a, a, a narrative spun oh, by no, people.
1: He had, he had a good season. It, it was it, off the it was off the court that it was a
0: Yeah, his not his, so great. I, I yeah. remember when he was the Lakers, this twenty three game stint with the Lakers. Um I did not remember he averaged eleven point two rebounds a game.
1: Oh, I did.
0: Uh, then then his 12 game stint in Dallas the following year his numbers went up 14.3 in 12 games 14.3 rebounds a game at age 38 playing for the Dallas Mavericks granted both of these are um, the lowest numbers since 1990-91 however still pretty impressive for a 38 year old
1: yeah. Very impressive for a 38-year-old. Listen, I'm 34 and I don't think I could do one rebound. Okay, <laughs> that's a lie. Maybe like one rebound every 3 games.
0: You you get the rebound standing up at the three-point line that just clangs off the rim and just comes right to you.
1: Oh. No, I would find some way to fuck it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's the easy rebound, though. the one where you just, You're standing there wide open, and someone misses, and it just happens to fall right in your lap, and then you just kind of shoot your own shot.
1: No, listen, you don't understand. that Those concussions I talked about, the first one that week came when I was doing stats for a team, and there was shoot-around for like fans in at halftime. Someone did a three-quarters-length shot, and the ball bounced off the rim and hit me in the head. Okay? So like that's how I know <laughs> I would definitely not be good at rebounds.
0: Now, let's let's end <laughs> this with with one question that everyone's asking themselves. Is Jordan the GOAT?
1: I'm not answering that. <laughs> I hate that question so much,
0: I do too. Well, I wanna see if you hate... had a definitive answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, oh wait, hold on i have i <laughs> I have my feelings and I refuse to say them. um, I'm sure we can all figure it out based on where I grew up mm-hmm. um but my biggest thing is. First of all, I think we also count out some of the people who played before Jordan all yes. the time. And then, um, when it comes to LeBron and Kobe, we also count out the people that played during Jordan's time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: who? And then there's, you know, are the players now as good as they were then? Or were the players then as good as the ones now? Like, there's too many variables, I feel like, to put into this argument. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of people don't like LeBron solely because not so much what he does on the court, but his social media or because they just want to tear him down, like, So I don't think anyone actually has like an unbiased opinion really of who would be considered the goat or not. And that's why I just, I would rather, especially since Kobe, like I used to get in this argument all the time, but since Kobe died, all I want to do is appreciate the fact that basketball has had so many great athletes come through Mm -hmm. in my lifetime, just in the 34 years that I've been alive. There have been so many great athletes. And I, I try to look at all the other sports, um, especially hockey, because that's like my wheelhouse, and I don't think it's to the same level of, like, magic that the NBA has had, especially mm-hmm. in the run that Michael had during that time. Just so many quality athletes, like, Yeah, hockey has some great athletes, some great guys breaking records and stuff. I get that. But there are so many people in the 90s who got their position Mm -hmm. in basketball, and that's what made them so great. And I just have a hard time with the question now because I just want to appreciate all the great athletes that we have been blessed with in the NBA. And I don't know much about this I, I'm i not as into the NBA in the past six years because I've been covering the monsters for some of those years and then also women's hockey. So you're watching a lot of hockey to try and even make, you know, in any given season, I'm watching over 200 games. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to watch basketball. Like I, the way I used to when I was younger. So I I can't even make the decision based on that. And I would love there to be a definitive answer, but what makes a goat a goat? What makes a goat a goat then? And no one can agree on what actually makes someone the greatest.
0: And I'm glad you answered the question that way because I also hate that question.
1: Sorry it was so long.
0: No, it's fine. (laughs) You answered it the exact way I wanted you to. And that's because some guys are not comparable. The errors are different. The rules are different. The way players play and have their body compositions different. It's not necessarily comparable. Um. So it's that's I absolutely hate that question. Uh, although Skip Bayless seems to use that for daily content. Um, one last thing. What is one era of basketball let's say a team or a group of of players you would like to see covered in a similar fashion or get their own 30 for 30 documentary
1: okay um well there's a few i i wouldn't mind seeing the lakers with Phil Jackson only because I want to hear his um, comparisons mm-hmm. <laughs> of the two of the two teams, um, but also to get a little bit more Kobe content, um, because Phil Jackson could honestly show the similarities in both of them and the, the differences and and the way the teams were made up, because I think the teams were made up differently as well. Mm hmm. Um, That could have been interesting. But I actually would really, really enjoy also seeing um, something to do with, like, I feel like there's some untold stories within the pelicans and, um, like, the hornets, which the hornets became...
0: The hornets became the pelicans and the bobcats became the hornets.
1: Yeah. So I would love to see some sort of like thing having to do with all of that. There's I feel like there's so many untapped stories in the NBA that everyone's so focused on like five teams. I want to hear the other ones.
0: And and here's a good one I thought of, okay? Cuz I'll give you I'll give you the team, I'll give you a description of what it would cover and I'll give you a perspective title. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready. I'm scared. The, the New York Knicks during the Bulls run.
0: <laughs> no. The mid two thousands Pistons, because those teams were good. They they channeled some of that former bad boy attitude they had. Uh, they were nicknamed the Going to Work Pistons. You know, lunch pail, punch clock guys. That was their that was their shtick, right? Yeah. With a focus on the fact. In the 2003 draft, they took Darko Milicic second overall instead of oh, Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh. But they still managed to win a title that year or, you know, the next year. And they still managed to make another finals appearance. They went to multiple Eastern Conference finals in a row. They were one of the more, you know, dominant teams of that time. And I think they don't get a lot of love because they didn't have a, a true superstar. They had, they were a collection of talent rather than instead of one guy. And Are you ready for the title? Because it's going to be focused on taking Darko second overall. Failing Upwards.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I like that.
0: Because, I mean... That pick was a disaster. However, they won a title. They made another finals appearance. And you can argue that if they took Carmelo or Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh or whoever that none of that ever happens. You don't see the development of some of the guys on their team, someone like a Tayshaun Prince or a Rip Hamilton. They probably don't trade for Rashid Wallace. There's just so many things that that one pick and its ultimate failure of a pick led to. I think that would be an interesting era to be, I guess, told and, you know, talked about.
1: Yeah, that would actually be really, that'd be interesting, honestly. Um, there's a few other things that I would like to see based on like the economy too, based on like how the sports had affected the economy. Um, like in Cleveland right now, well, not right now at this moment, obviously, but, uh, I, I spent, I stayed at a lot of hotels this year, um, after, after covering Monsters games because I just was too tired, you know, to mm-hmm. drive back to Akron at like 1230 at night. <laughs> um, but talking to them about how they were hit harder with this time that LeBron left than the last time um, because people weren't staying around after games now and they were leaving in the middle of the games. Mm-hmm. And there weren't as many out of town guests as there were even when even when they lost, even when LeBron left the first time, um, it wasn't as bad in the city. So I'd be curious to see something like that. Um, And I'm sure it's happened in other in other places as well. Like I would like to just see how a, a successful team can affect the economy and a bad team can affect it, too just across the NBA like I'm just using that as an example.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, here's here's a different team that you could talk about. Big market farm team, the Cleveland Indians story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop. It's so true. You mean like the Yankees farm team for a while there? I can't. The worst.
0: That that that's just the, that's the story of the Cleveland Indians.
1: <laughs> it really is but not as bad as the the pirates, I guess.
0: Oh, jeez! I had someone on my podcast last week. Shout out Joe Toscano at Joey Bag of Donuts on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you saw that quote from him about the Indians' ownership and the Pirates' yeah. ownership. But man, <laughs> I, I think a, a lot of Indians fans need to do themselves a favor: check out the Pirates, check out what uh, what a cheap owner actually is and the perspective of someone who has a team that regularly gets rid of good players, and they don't spend money on anyone. So, interesting fact, the largest contract, free agent contract, both teams have signed has been for the total of $60 million. However, the Indians was a three-year commitment with Edwin Encarnacion, and I don't remember who the Pirates one was, but it was, like, almost 20 years ago, stretched out over six years so they were big spenders at the time but it was only at 10 million dollars a year so that's like pennies now
1: yeah that's like nothing yeah dude i'm going to circle back to rebounds real quick here because i wanted to look this up because we talked about rodman being 38 and getting was 11
0: at 38 he had 14
1: 14 that's right i'm sorry (laughs) it was the year before right yeah anyways um the, in the top 15 for this season so far, uh, three calves uh, are in the the rebound conversation, and Andre Drummond definitely has 15.2. There's a lot of these guys that have like below 11 <laughs> just in so, this top 15. So apparently, just Dennis Rodman. <laughs> if we're basing it on this year's stats. Dennis Rodman is a rebounding god among men
0: so uh, slight asterisk on Andre Drummond since he spent most of the season in Detroit so
1: I know just (laughs) worth
0: mentioning just worth mentioning because it would be different because him and uh, anyone else that he'd be playing with on the Cavs they would not be averaging 30 rebounds together and you know a third guy getting 45 rebounds between three people
1: okay fine (laughs)
0: it's had to be mentioned it had to be (laughs)
1: But Tristan Thompson is number 10 with 10.1, and Kevin Love is 13 with 9.8. And to be honest, I didn't think I would see a single Cav other than Drummond (laughs) in the top 20, let alone the top 15. Um, It's just interesting to look at those numbers when we're talking about this and realizing that, at least compared to this season, just how incredible dennis rodman was as a rebounder
0: and everything always comes back to dennis rodman
1: it does <clears throat> that's what the last dance was really about
0: it was about dennis rodman
1: it was actually it was about teamwork which is why i really liked how they ended the end of the, <laughs> the documentary because the documentary wasn't about michael jordan
0: it was about the chicago bulls With Michael Jordan being a very key central part to the way everything worked. But it was about the Bulls.
1: Exactly. Hence why it was called The Last Dance. Because that's what Phil Jackson called that season. And And, they talked about it in the beginning.
0: And it was not Jordan's last dance. It was The Last Dance.
1: Right. Just in case anyone was wondering. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who think this is just about Jordan.
0: And it's not. It's about the Chicago Bulls and the repeat-repeat.
1: And Dennis Rodman. And Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr? (laughs) (laughs) I love Steve Kerr so much.